today's Bible readings from Psalm 89, um, verses 5 to 11. The heavens praise your wonders, Lord, your faithfulness too, in the assembly of the holy ones. For who in the skies above can compare with the Lord? Who is like the Lord among heavenly beings? In the council of the holy ones, God is greatly feared. He is more awesome than all who surround him. Who is like you, Lord Almighty? You, Lord, are mighty, and your faithfulness surrounds you. You rule over the surging sea when its waves mount up. You still them. You crushed Rahab like one of the slain. With your strong arm, you scattered your enemies. The heavens are yours, and yours also, the earth. You founded the world and all that is in it. Good morning, everyone. Now, unless I'm out of date, today is October the 30th, is that right? Which means add one to that and tomorrow is October the 31st. Okay, does that date ring any church bells for you? October 31st? What happens on October 31st? Anyone know? Well, perhaps you're saying Halloween. Did I hear you say that? Halloween? Yes, it's a festival that for some strange reason is growing in popularity in Australia. But did you know that it has its origins in the Celtic festival Sarwin? The Celts believe that at this time, October the 31st or around about then, the boundary between our world and the spirit world is at its thinnest, meaning that spirits can more easily appear in this world at that time. Now, with spirits here, that means that these spirits would have to be appeased with offerings of food and drink, otherwise they'll cause trouble. You see, the Celts, like all other traditional people groups, believed in the existence of a spirit world. But this belief in the existence of a spirit world also occurs in Christianity. Apart from God, the Bible also talks about gods, the sons of God, angels, spirits, demons, Satan, otherwise known as the devil, and cherubim and seraphim. Now, it's common to find some people these days who don't believe in such things as spirits and angels. But it's a big call, I reckon, to say that the reality of a creature's existence in the universe is dependent on sensory or some kind of scientific perception. Just because we can't ordinarily perceive something doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. The way that things are pictured in the Bible, most of the time the spirit world is invisible to us. It can't be perceived by our senses. You know, even the spirit of a person can't be perceived by that person's senses. We don't use our eyes or ears to know what we're thinking or how we're feeling. So if that applies to our own spirit, how much more then does it apply to the spirits in the spirit world? The spirit world is something that is usually beyond the reach of our senses. But occasionally, when God permits it, it is possible 
for creatures in the spirit world to appear and be seen or heard or even touched by us humans. Now, the term that the Bible most frequently uses for the creatures of the spirit world is the word spirits. Now, the word spirit indicates that these creatures don't have physical bodies in and of themselves. Another term for spirits is angels. And the word angel focuses on the common role of the spirits as creatures that are sent to do a task or to deliver a message. In Hebrews chapter 1, verse 14, the writer states that angels are ministering spirits. One of their functions is to help believers. This description of angels as a kind of spirit suggests that biblically spirits and angels are basically the same. However, we need to keep in mind that in cases where the spirit in question has been sent by God to do something or in particular to deliver a message, then the word angel is the preferred terminology. Now, the spirits can be further categorised into good spirits and evil spirits. The good spirits are most commonly called angels. Angels can be viewed as being the soldiers of God's spiritual army, and there are thousands upon thousands of them in number. Hebrews 12, 22 says, in fact, that the angels are innumerable. There's so many, it's hard to count them. Now, in terms of the description given of angels, they're there to constantly praise God. They're often sent by God to minister to believers by guiding, sustaining, and protecting them. They can also be sent to judge, punish, or destroy individuals or groups who oppose God. In addition, they're often tasked with communicating with humans on God's behalf. They're also described as having a role in separating the righteous from the wicked on the day of judgment. And some of them also have a role in carrying the souls of believers to heaven upon death. But what about the bad spirits? The bad spirits are sometimes just called spirits, but most of the time they're called demons. They're also called unclean spirits or sometimes evil spirits to distinguish them from the good spirits. Occasionally, the demons can also be designated as angels. For example, in Matthew 25, verse 41, Jesus talks about how on the day of judgment, eternal fire has been prepared for the devil and his evil angels. Also in Revelation 12, verses 7 and 9, we see the dragon Satan and his angels, it says, at war against the angels of God. So those are the basic categories of spirit. But when were these spirits created? Well, the Bible doesn't spell this out in so many words, but the most likely answer is that the spirits were created when heaven was created. So in Genesis 1, verse 1, when God created the heavens and the earth, it's most likely the spirits were created at that point in time. 
in Job 38, verse 7, we see God speaking of the angels singing and rejoicing when God laid the foundation of the earth. So that indicates that the angels were already in existence when earth was created. Also, the fact that God created human beings a little lower than the angels, that also implies that angels were in existence before humans were created. And in fact, that the angels actually witnessed God's creation of humanity. Now, this is important to realize because from the biblical perspective, there's something about humans that Satan has never liked and cannot accept. And we'll explore this in more detail later on in our series. The fact that God created the spirits back in the beginning, this also implies that God has authority over them. Yes, sorry. Uh, Sorry, we lost you maybe for a minute. Okay, so... Do you remember the last thing that you talked about? Um, God made man a little lower than the angels. Okay. Yes. All right. So, yeah, there's a in from Psalm 8, and also it's picked up in the book of Hebrews, this idea that God has created human beings a little lower than the angels. So this implies that angels were in existence before humans were created. And also... It implies that the angels actually witnessed God's creation of humanity. And friends, this is important to realize because from the biblical perspective, there's something about humans that Satan has never liked and cannot accept. And we'll explore this in more detail later on in our series. Now, the fact that God created the spirits also implies that God has authority over them. As the author of the spirit world, God holds supreme authority over the spirits. And this can be seen in particular through the concept of the divine counsel in the Bible. Our passage in Psalm 89 speaks about the assembly of the holy ones in verse 5. It also talks about the heavenly beings, or literally that can be translated the sons of God in verse 6, and the council of the holy ones who surround God in verse 7. Psalm 82, verse 1, also says, God has taken his place in the council of God. In the midst of the gods, he judges. So, Who are these gods or sons of God who are present in the divine assembly? Well, in the Old Testament, the phrase the sons of God refers to the angels. These creatures can also be called gods with a small g because in Hebrew, the word God can be used in a genuine way of any creature that occupies a position of power and authority. Now, we tend to restrict the usage of the word God to God Almighty, the one true God. But in biblical usage, the term God or sons of God 
can be applied to anyone who's a member of the divine assembly. So the Bible pictures God, Yahweh, as the God of gods, as it were. He's there in the middle of this assembly of the sons of God or this assembly of the gods. Yahweh is the supreme God in the divine assembly. And the other members of the divine assembly, at least as originally constituted, were the angels. But as you can see from Psalm 82 and also Psalm 89, they're called the holy ones, the sons of God, or more simply, gods. Now, I admit this is probably something that sounds a little strange to us. Maybe you haven't thought about this idea of the divine assembly before. But the key point for us to understand today is there is such a thing as the divine assembly. The interesting thing from the biblical perspective is that God has always had a plan to bring about a change in the composition of the divine assembly. And surprisingly, that has something to do with us, with us humans. But that, my friends, is a topic for later on in our series. Anyway, just a summary for you there of the creation of the spirit world. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you today. We're able to start our new series on things unseen. We admit to you that we're basically at times not fully aware of just what's out there in terms of the spirit world. It can be a fusing topic to look at and maybe even at times a touch scary. But, Lord, we thank you that in the Bible we get a fair amount of information about how you are the creator of the spirits and how they are under your authority. We thank you that today as well we've been able to look a little bit at the angels and how you often use them to go and to deliver messages or to protect your people. And we thank you too for the opportunity today to be introduced to this topic of the divine assembly. We know that you are the one true eternal God, yet you surround yourself with an assembly of creatures who worship you. And we pray, Lord, as we go through this series, that you'll help us to understand more about this divine assembly and what your plan is for that and how it impacts upon us. And also, as we look further at the topics of Satan and demon possession as well, we ask that you would help us to be able to come away from these weeks with a better understanding of the spirit world and what that means for us as believers in you to live for you and to keep on trusting in you. So we thank you for this today and we pray your blessing upon us as we seek to live for you, to serve you in the midst of an amazing and complex universe. We thank you for being our God, for being the creator of the spirit world and for being the one who delivers us in Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen. Right. Some Q&A, and if you can bring Robert's concept back on screen, we can go through the Q&A. 
just be mindful. I know Robin Cox needs to leave uh, soon, so we'll just go through it pretty quickly. Um, all right, let's jump right into the online questions. There's quite a few there, so let's, let's see if we can uh, go through them all. Uh, first one is, do angels have free will? Yeah, Steve, you hear me okay? Yep, yep. Yeah, I'd say angels have free will just as any other creature does. So the Bible always describes human beings and also spirits as having free will. The issue is not so much free will, actually, as far as the Bible is concerned, because our will is always free. The issue is what is in our heart. So it's what's in our heart which determines how we think and determines our wills too. So ultimately, the Bible would look at what is our heart like rather than what our will is like. If you've got a bad heart, you'll be making free bad decisions, right? If you've got a good heart, you'll be making free good decisions. So that's how it works. Definitely, definitely. All right, thank you for that. Now, the next question is that where is the spirit realm? <laughs> yeah, good one. I think the best answer for that is it's probably coextensive with the physical universe, right? The when God made the heavens and the earth back in the beginning, in effect, I think what he's doing there is talking about how he's made a spiritual and physical universe. So, yeah, I think basically wherever you go within the physical universe, there's always a spiritual dimension not too far away. It's a little bit like there's a curtain between the physical world and the spiritual world, and all it takes is God to just open up that curtain and we can easily see the other side. Right. Okay. All right. Uh, next question. Are we as Christian not the same as holy ones or son of God? Can you clarify the link with the call for Christian to be holy because God is holy? Now, this is a very, very good question, this one. I'm not sure if I should answer it because it is giving away a little bit where we're heading in this series. <laughs> but it's a very perceptive question because... This person has obviously noticed that the divine assembly is made up of holy ones and the mm -hmm. sons of God. Where have you heard that language before? In particular, when you keep in mind that holy ones, one of the ways of translating that word is saints, right? Yep. Who are saints? Who are the sons of God? Where is that heading? Well, what we'll see is that that divine assembly the only people who are allowed to live or to exist in that divine assembly are those who are holy, okay? Those who are allowed in, invited in. Well, hopefully you can see where that's heading because I did mention over time God's plan is for the composition of the divine assembly to undergo a change. What so happens if originally the divine assembly was composed of angels, but where is it heading biblically? Something to do with us, yeah? Yeah. I think you know where it's heading. Yeah. But we'll look at that in more detail in week four. So hopefully that's sufficient to answer that question for the time being. All right. Thank you for that. Uh, next one is, are there different levels of heaven? It seems to be that there are different levels of heaven. I think it's probably best to think about how God is at the centre of heaven and there are kind of like, zones around that or concentric circles around that so we know that with god in the center we he's got the cherubim around him which are a bit like the bodyguards not that god needs bodyguards but they're protecting the the super holy space 
And then after that, you know, you've got other zones of heaven. So the Apostle Paul does talk about levels of heaven in 2 Corinthians 12, verse 2, it looks like, I think. So Paul talks about, he says, I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven. So there are at least three layers of heaven. But I think what Paul's getting at there is who knows how many layers there are, but he's someone who received a revelation which in which he was invited up into the heights of heaven. And he describes that as being the third heaven. So, yes, it does seem like there are different levels. Seems so. Seems so. So, all right. Uh, next, and I think that's the last one, is that could false god like the Hindu gods actually be angels or demons? Yes, the Apostle Paul's view is definitely, I uh, think in 1 Corinthians he talks about this, his view is definitely that, the false gods are actually demons. So behind those things, we've got demons who are actively working to deceive people and to turn people away from God, the one true God. All right. Okay. I think we went through that pretty quick. Um, oh, there's a few more. Sorry. Uh, my one hasn't been refreshed. So, All right. Uh, one more is that, are there physical and spiritual worlds simultaneously existing through time? <laughs> yeah, well, I said before, the spiritual world and the physical world, I think, are coextensive. And so, yes, right from the beginning of creation, when God created the heavens and the earth, that's suggesting that, in effect, they both started pretty much at the same time and are eternal from that point on. So not eternal in the way that God is above and beyond time. So the f- spiritual world in terms of the creatures that God's created, they definitely had a beginning point. But just like with human spirits, there's a beginning point too, but we exist eternally onwards from then. Okay. Uh, there's a, two more questions. That's, oh. Yep. Uh, God allows us to send stuff from spiritual world. Why? I guess because it's out there. And it's all part of his plan. So as we understand that the world is a lot bigger than what we realize, Mm. you know, just go out into space and you can see how big the physical world is. Well, there's even more than what we can see with our eyes. There's this spiritual world out there filled almost to overflowing as well. So just think about the billions upon billions of stars that are out there. Well, the Bible describes the amount of angels that exist in God's army as being innumerable. There's 10,000s upon 10,000s. You know, there's millions upon millions of them. So when you think about that, you just realise how big God is. The other reason for the spirit world, I guess, is that God does use the spirit world to communicate with us. And even himself through the Holy Spirit, Right, The Holy Spirit is not a creature, but yet through God's own spirit, he works within that spirit world to impact on people spiritually as well. So it's all part of his plan in terms of the way he's created the world. And when we get little glimpses of it, I think the idea is we're just amazed. Most of the time in the Bible, when people get little glimpses of the spirit world, they're overcome or they're, they fall down on their knees or they're, they're kind of frightened, you know, because it's, it's awesome stuff. Mm-hmm. Okay, all right. I hope that answers the questions. Okay, we'll do this one, last one, and if there's any more after this, we'll, uh, we can go back to it because uh, I believe Reverend Stephen have to go. So, yeah, our last one is, are we allowed to interact with the spiritual world? Well, in the sense that we're commanded to pray to God and sing praises to him, in the sense, you know, that's that's 
interacting through the spirit world. I guess this question is getting at in terms of maybe uh, we haven't looked today at, you know, human spirits, what happens to the human spirit after a person dies and so on and all this kind of thing. Mm. Uh, Generally speaking, the idea is that we just interact with God in terms of through his word and through his people. But there will be times in history when he gives certain people insights into the spirit world, like a communication from an angel, whatever it may be. Generally speaking, I think it's something we don't have to really worry about because when God wants it to happen, it will happen. We're not encouraged at all to get involved in uh, the, the occult or anything like that. All we're to do is to worship God in the way that we know through his word. And if God ever opens up extra dimensions to us, then he will. Yep. Okay. All right. Um, uh, you, you need to leave soon? Uh, leave now, Roman Coxhead? Oh, in a few minutes. So, yeah, that's fine. But, yeah, okay. thanks for the questions. And it's looking like a very interesting series. Yeah, it has. It has uh, definitely. Uh, but uh, yeah, we've got one more question. If that's okay, or yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, think those last two question is referring not God's Holy Spirit, but the demon world, right? Yeah, well, definitely in terms of the de- demonic world, we're definitely commanded not to engage with that. So yeah, we do have to be very careful. Uh, the demons are powerful, even mm. though they are in God's control, and they can't compare to power in power to to God or to Jesus. But, yes, we are to be very, very careful and make sure that we're not ever placing ourselves in direct communication or under the influence of demonic powers. Okay. All right. Uh, Let's finish up there. Thank you so much, Reverend Coxett, for your insight and uh, in your answers. Uh, And I'm sure there's going to be quite an interesting topic um, to to look into. So thank you for that. Yeah, looking forward to the series. Yeah, <laughs> definitely.